I think it's business at the end of the day. Like, you know, sometimes we we can't differentiate between the ministry and business, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, the ministry is... Man, that just sounds too big as an operation. The mega church sounds crazy. Like, is this the way Jesus intended it? Uh, this sounds more like a business than uh, a ministry. How would you respond to that having been in the ecosystem? Bruce Lawn. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have an amazing guest for you guys today. We're going to be talking about some important things like worship, like the evangelical industrial complex, gospel music, music being used as a way to bring people together. I'm sure we'll get into manhood and so much more. And without any further ado, our guest, Mr. Michael Bethany. What's up, man? Appreciate you being here, brother. Um, Thank you. Thank you, man. So you are a worship leader, worship pastor. Yeah. Um, currently at Gateway Church. Absolutely. Pastor Robert Morrison. Yep. Uh, before that, you were with Dr. Tony Evans, yep. which I just showed to you, my favorite study Bible. I actually own two Dr. Tony Evans study Bible. Shout out. And uh, new album, new things on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we get into worship and all that kind of stuff, folks who aren't familiar with you, give us just a little bit of your backstory. Backstory with me, I uh, grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. My father was a pastor, so I'm a PK, mm-hmm. Pentecostal church growing up in the inner city of St. Louis, Missouri. So that's where we get our start. And my father was a musician. My mother was a songwriter. Mm-hmm. So I was just born into ministry, music, and all things. And um, so started there and, you know, matriculated through that, grew up, went to college, all the different things, got married, and moved to Dallas, Texas in 2005. Okay. Incredible, like, transition, left everything um, to, to come to, to go to Dallas with no real plan. Mm. Just like, Seems like, a, like a, lot, a lot of people go to Dallas with no real plan. That's real. Yeah, Tim's story yeah, is kind of That's real. Like, oh, yeah, I was, it wasn't Dallas, man. It was like I went I went to Dallas like literally like off of where God said I was I went to my noon day prayer, I would mm-hmm. go to this church, mm-hmm. and I would pray every day mm-hmm. for my at my lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And one day I just heard the Holy Spirit say so clearly, move to Texas, move mm-hmm. to Dallas. Mm-hmm. And here's the funny like Con, like conf- confirmation, like a day or two later, I, I, I wake up, my wife and I wake up, and she says, I had a dream last night mm-hmm. that we moved to Dallas. Hmm. I didn't want to move to Dallas. Mm. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's nice. And I never said anything because I didn't want to talk about yeah. it. But eventually I got the picture. I got, mm-hmm. you know, I got it. Mm-hmm. We moved to Dallas. Mm-hmm. And like literally like two months after I got there, I got the 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, Feb- by the end of January, I was working on an album with Fred Hammond. Wow. Because he just moved there that same year. Wow. Shout out Uncle Fred. Shout out. Yeah. Wow. So he, once I once I connected with Fred, I was locked in. Which which Fred album did you work on? So the first album we did was Free to Worship at Potter's House. It was a live album. Okay. And it's kind of live studio mix up. Sure. Yeah. And, a um, lot of stuff like that. It's a lot of stuff like hybrid that. now. But I would just listen to that record like the other day. Like that's a great record. Yeah. That was as a matter of fact, I think that was his first Grammy. Mm. Was that album? Wow. He just moved to Texas. Really? Yeah. After he all that music, he didn't get a Grammy for Pages of Life. You would think. You would think. A, wow. you, listen, we need to retroactively give him like yes, Grammys yes, for all do. that work. The classics, absolutely. Um, and so that I started with him then, and I locked in with him for you know nine years or so, mm-hmm. and traveled with him, wrote mm-hmm. with him. He opened up so many doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, taught me so much, you know, learned to engineer, learned to do all the different things that helped me grow into a producer and a songwriter and all these other things. Yep. 
And then, of course, that that led into other relationships as well, like Kurt Franklin mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Marvin and Tamala Man and all, and all kind of stuff that I got to do that was just amazing opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so while I'm doing all that, like that's my like industry life. Mm. But, is 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 being Fred Hammond's right hand man, backup singer, co singer. Yeah, 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 what was your actual role with him? So so I, I did several things. Mm-hmm. So I went full time with him eventually. The first year I I was just a background singer, mm-hmm. but eventually he hired me on full time, mm-hmm. and I was started out as assistant general manager, which is like a catch all title for yeah. you do everything, you do everything, man, everything, general road manager, general manager, everything, you you name it, everything from producing, mm-hmm. writing, mm-hmm. running sessions. Finding singers, uh, doing product, shipping mm-hmm. product, mm-hmm. managing product live, going out. Like I was just telling, I was just telling your guy, I was like, we used to go the last one of the first times I came to San Diego, we were doing this huge fair mm-hmm. concert. And the, I was and What I, year was this? This was like, you have to remember this, because this was like maybe 2008. Bro, I was there. You were there? I was in the crowd and it was at the San Diego Fair, which, yes. is, which is actually happening right now. Yes. On Gospel Night. I actually played on a different stage earlier in the day. What? And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but when I met Fred, I, I brought this up to him and he didn't really remember. Um, there, The electric slide broke out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like the one white kid <laughs> in the middle of the, in the <laughs> middle of the jam. <laughs> nailing the electric slide. Yes. Because the electric slide is weird because it's like a 10 count, like the yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the loop yeah. around, you know, it's, yes, it's a weird yes, loop yes, around. Yes, yes, But I remember nailing it and I wanted to meet, I wanted to meet Fred so bad that I didn't get to meet him that day. But the heat, I mean, y'all killed it. Oh, no. Y'all killed no, it. That we, was a great show. That was awesome. And and we went, I don't know if you if you ran into us, but we were out in the park. No, I didn't. With cameras. No. For the team. And yeah. I was doing like a, uh, like man on the street. Yeah, randomly yeah. walking up to people, and yeah. I used to be really goofy. I, I'm yeah. still goofy, yeah. But I used to really be goofy, and so you know, Fred, we had a lot of fun with that mm-hmm. creative content. You know, back in the day, was why? Why is Fred like uh, when I met him? Why is Fred like like the gospel godfather? Like he's intimidating, man. You go in there and you no, gotta like talk to the to the you know to the to the underboss. Yeah, 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 yeah. And talk yeah, to yeah, the yeah, other yeah, underboss, yeah. and then they kind of usher you into the studio. And Fred there cooking on the like it was it was a it was a moment. Yes, meeting Fred was a moment, but he yes. definitely got like Godfather energy. You know, okay, so what's that's funny that you say that. Like Fred is so chill, and you know he's he's got a team. Like he's mm-hmm. got his brother, like mm-hmm. Ray. People don't know yep. like he's and he's got two brothers, Dave Ray. Yep. Like his brothers work with him. Yep. It's all yep. family around him. Yep. And Fred, much like you, mm-hmm. he is a very hard worker. Mm-hmm. If you want to know where Fred is right now, he's he's if he's he's probably on the phone in a meeting or mm-hmm. in the studio mm-hmm. or on the road mm-hmm. or working on some new idea, mm-hmm. right? So Fred is always that way. So he's always in the studio. And so, you know, he's got his team around him and everything. The first time I met him, like I met him at Daystar. Mm-hmm. He invited me to his house. I come into his house. His house, they're working. Mm-hmm. They're working on a project. So mm-hmm. somebody opens the door to let me in. And and it was like Godfather because he mm-hmm. was sitting in this chair. It was like zebra print. Mm-hmm. He was a, <laughs> it was a beautiful chair. And the folks who know him, they know what this chair looks yeah. like. It's a beautiful chair. And and it's like the lights are dim. Yep. And, and everybody's yep. sitting around. It's like, sing something. Yeah, yeah Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I was, and I sang like, Tis So Sweet, a yeah. hymn. And I was so nervous. Yeah. When I finished, he's all he said was sweet. <laughs> Just as the single syllable responses. <laughs> that was it. That's and amazing. Then he went upstairs and then he like, hey, he he got someone to tell me, hey, go upstairs first. You know, want to talk to you. Yeah. Went upstairs, like, hey man, you want to roll? 
That's dope. I was like, yeah, that's dope. absolutely. And so you're you're kind of wearing multiple hats for him. Yeah. And then and how how long were you were you with Fred? About nine. Nine About years. Nine years. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, so so what what years were these? I'm just so this is 2006. 2006 to like 2014. Oh wow. Okay. So it's, yeah. yeah yeah this is I mean 2014. What is that? It's nine years ago. Yeah. It's, 2014 seems recent, though. It almost. does. It yeah. does. And I think the pandemic has just condensed time a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it also means I think we're getting old. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it was just yesterday, you know? Yeah. You know, I was on a rotary phone. But it's like <laughs> things have changed and they've changed quickly. This is how, that's how it feels now. But, man, that was that was probably uh, one of the it was the most challenging time because I was getting started. Yeah. yeah. Right. I was coming out of a small town. Mm-hmm into a big city, mm-hmm. into a, a, a major global ministry. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. I, I learned everything in the moment. Oh, yeah. So there's two things happening. I'm learning quickly, mm-hmm. but also I'm discovering that I had more potential than I realized. Mm. So all these things are happening. I didn't know I was ready for more. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but I was in a situation and it called for it. Fred called for it. And there were so many moments he was like, hey, I want you to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've never done that. Mm-hmm. Well, you're doing it today. Mm. And you get thrown in and you just go for it. Do you think you going from just singing to then being a general manager and running the business side stretched that side of you and developed that side of you and 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 kind of forced you to develop some of those skills i've never done yeah the business oh well you're doing it today yes it did and and you just kind of rose to the occasion it did like here's the the major so here's a little back story on me so professionally I'm an electrical designer and project manager by trade. Interesting. So I, I along the way, I got my degree in electric and in, in computer drafting mm-hmm. and project management. Mm-hmm. And so what I would do is I worked for I worked for several companies, mm-hmm. and I grew up as an electrical designer. You know, create designing electrical distribution mm-hmm. from the transformer outside to mm-hmm. your electrical panel and and for hotels and shopping centers and all these type of things like that. Mm-hmm. So I had that background, so I understood like how to think administratively, mm-hmm. how to think in systems and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I was always working for a company where everything was laid out for mm. you. When I worked for Fred, it's a creative company. Mm-hmm. Nothing's laid out for mm-hmm. you. Everything he came up with, it was like from God to his heart, mm. just straight out creativity. And you're constantly creating something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly making things that no one's asking for. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, an album, like no one's asking me for an album That's right good. now. But but if you have something inside of you, like what motivates you to do it if no one's telling you what to do or how to do it or when to do wow. it? That's a totally different mindset. Yeah. You know, you're making things that no one has ever asked for. Yes. That's a gem. Yes. That's a gem because that is what we do as creatives, is it not? That's right. We're, we're building it hoping they come mm-hmm. and they don't always come. So no. sometimes we got to take some L's. Sometimes we got to fall on our face. Sometimes, sometimes you're building it for you. Sometimes you're building it for you. And sometimes you're yeah. building yeah. it for them. For them, yeah. But yeah. a lot, of, I mean, a lot of times it's being built from a place of, I, th- I think a lot of times just solving our own problems. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, so it's like if I'm, if you're making music, worship music, I'm assuming there's probably an aspect of you of saying, oh, this is missing in the marketplace. Yeah. Right? Like th- this style, this song, this thing is missing. And let me solve it for myself first. And then hopefully people yeah. will like it versus yeah. traditional entrepreneurialism is built on what is the need in the marketplace first. Yep. Let me build something that solves that need. And and I would say this about Fred. He is a true entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
creative entrepreneur. Like there's so much stuff that's happening right now that he was doing years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like before, before everything was like social media driven, he was already mm -hmm. yeah. headed towards that. And he's funny on social. Yeah. He's funny on social media. Uh, he when I was there, he also had. I mean, he had this. It, we were in like a car garage, and it was a bunch of muscle cars mm -hmm. and this like whole car collection, and and they had like the band there rehearsing for some big show, and it, yeah, it was wild, man. He's a he's he's an interesting guy to say the least, and he I is. I was very grateful for the couple hours we we had with him. Um, I I saw something recent. I don't know how recent ago, but down the road with him coming out and kind of pushing back against the music industry and how. Mm -hmm he's still attached to those deals way back in the day and not, mm -hmm. I, I don't think he knows some of that, those masters now or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm sure you know more the ins and outs, but for someone like a legend like him, you would think that, you know, you, you retroactively make it right yeah. with, with Fred. And what is your take of just how the music industry has treated him? You know, I, I think it's business at the end of the day. Like, you know, sometimes we, we can't differentiate between the ministry and business, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, the ministry is God's heart touching people. It's the grace of God. Yeah. But the business that supports it mm -hmm. are just based on principles that anybody can use, mm -hmm. believers or not. And a lot of people that are in the music industry that are running those companies, mm -hmm. they're not Christians. Mm -hmm. They're people doing business. And that's I don't think that's good or bad. It's yeah. no different than— You're you, saying that a lot of people that run Christian labels, that, yeah. that put out the gospel music and the CCM and the worship music— are not Christians. Are not necessarily, yeah. Like, I mean, there's so many people, it's like if you started a company right now and you needed a plumber, mm -hmm. you're not looking for Christian plumbers. Mm -hmm. You're looking for great plumbers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes into some of the, all the, some of the conglomerates and big businesses that own these labels, mm -hmm. you know, I, I believe there, there are a lot of people in the labels, in the systems who love Jesus, who mm -hmm. are called to worship, who mm -hmm. love it with all their heart. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're still working in the context of America and in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, everything's not necessarily uh, coming out of the church. Mm -hmm. The church is integrated into society. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of that comes into play. And so it's just business at mm -hmm. the end of the day. You have mm -hmm. to do that business. Mm -hmm. But I think the advantage that we have as believers is we understand that that business is not the be all end all. God's yes. word is. Yes. And so while we're doing business and Bible says, you know, the word says in business be men, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Like do your business, take care of business. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I do business with, with integrity and with great stewardship, but I trust God yeah. that his yeah. grace will intervene when necessary. Yeah. So I think the hard part for me in terms of specifically the music business, and you could push back on this if you want to, which was just totally fine, is that it's the only business as far as I know where there's an advance given and then the royalty rate for the creator is usually small, Absolutely. 10 to 20%, 25% if you're super booming. And then you have to then recoup off of your royalty. You got to pay, a label puts a million dollars into a project. Your royalty rate is 20%. You have to make them 5 million to pay back the 1 million and they own the master. It's a long short. Right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It, I, I don't, it, like, so from, from just a straight business standpoint, like, I've never seen a business model like that where, yeah. where uh, I'm going to make the thing. I'm going to make the widget. You might help and contribute and give me ideas, but I'm going to make this widget. You're going to give me a million dollars. And we're, I, we're not going to recoup the million dollars with the first million dollars that comes in. That to me is fair business. Yeah. If me and you start a, a, a restaurant together and, and you put in a million and say, I don't put in a million. Maybe you go, okay, well, let me get my million back first. That's fair, right? Yeah. And then maybe you say, okay, but I want 70% or 60% after I recoup myself. Well, that's fair. You put the money up. You should get more, right? You took more of the risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to then be like, 
hey, uh, by the way, you're gonna pay me back your million when I make when we make five million together, and then you're gonna get a fifteen percent royalty rate, and I'm going to own the intellectual property indefinitely. Like that just seems, you know, it it, it just it just seems very backwards. Like it just seems very backwards. And I guess now it's becoming less prevalent because artists are taking control of the marketing yeah. side with social media all that kind of thing but i think that's the part that of, of when we look at the music business i just go i mean would would sony inspiration or whatever they're called now uh, rca whatever yeah, the label yeah. he was on right yeah uh would they be them without fred you know i think this is one of the things that is tough because <laughs> there are only so many labels a handful of how many artists are there? Yeah. yeah. Countless. Yeah, that's fair. And and there are so many people that I know that are incredible, mm-hmm. like phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The best songs, mm-hmm. the best music, the, the the best vocal performance, but that's not what that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you know, there's a it's it's supply and demand. Mm-hmm. There's so many artists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. While like if you got a deal right now and things mm-hmm. are going well, mm-hmm. that company is not just thinking about you. They're mm-hmm. thinking about the next deal. Yeah, yeah. Right. There are so many people sitting on that label mm-hmm. who are going to get dropped. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This company is it's it's an investment company yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. It's investing in things like you. It's speculation yeah. really. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so w- this is going to work, and that's going to work, and it's all about from that standpoint, from a business standpoint, the profit. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, there are a lot of artists, Mm -hmm. you know, and we look at it when you watch the documentaries and Mm -hmm. all the folks that have come out and all Mm -hmm. the things that have happened, Mm -hmm. the the labels aren't worried about it. Mm -hmm. There's another one. Like there was a time people thought, man, what are we going to do without Michael Jackson? Mm -hmm. Like, what are we going to do? Like, that's a, we got Mm -hmm. Beyonce. And now it's like, what are we going to do? There's always, there's always, always, and unfortunately, I feel like that's why it's important to have a an independent entrepreneurial mindset about yep. what you do yes. even if you're in partnership with yes. someone yes. you cannot go into partnership with someone relying on them to be everything for yep. you yep. you have to own who you are yes. your identity your product and yes. understand that whatever deal this is or whatever it's temporary yes right yes. and don't don't like hold it like on your the feelings on your sleeves and all that kind of like take it it is what it is mm-hmm. and and grow through it Take advantage of the opportunity. Be grateful for it. And when that season passes, yeah. be ready for the next season. Yeah. And it's humbling yeah. because there's always somebody that can replace you. Yeah. Now, I think that's exploited in business, sure. but it's still a business reality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it, it kind of goes back to this idea of the tension between ministry, artistry, yeah. and, and industry, right? The, the artist, you know is creating the widget, if we're just going to call a song a widget, yeah. right? And then there's there's a ministry heart to it. We're trying to do this to bless people. But then to your point, there's a real industry that is, it's almost designed to exploit the artist, you know? And, and I don't mean that, the word exploit doesn't always have to be bad, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. we're creating this conversation and this is going to get clipped up into a bunch of different videos. We're going to try to make the very best mm-hmm. thumbnails, titles for these videos to yeah. exploit as much value out of this conversation it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing but when you start talking about the 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 loan shark (laughs) your your words not mine (laughs) i did say that but this is let me just throw this out just shout out to gateway music yeah um so there are labels or entities like gateway who are entering into the market space Mm -hmm. to redeem as much of that as possible oh yeah and and we're and like i said we're still 
cooperating with an American system. Sure. You know, we're, sure. Sure. This sure. is what we're dealing with. Yeah. But however, I, I love the fact that there are people that are getting getting involved in that mm-hmm. and, and taking some of that back so that we can have different conversations. Because yeah. at the end of the, of the day for me, like this for me, it is a calling from God. Amen. Right, it's Amen. a ministry. Amen. So before be, before there's ever a song or a production, there's a prayer room. Yeah, like that's really that's what it all it's all about. That's good. And so I'm only going to be committed to doing what the Holy Spirit has assigned me to do. Yeah. Now from there, I love Gateway getting involved because now you got a partnership who has the same motivation you mm-hmm. do. You still, at the end of the day, after all of that's agreed upon, mm-hmm. you still have to do business. Yeah. Yeah. So there's going to be a contract. Sure. There's going to be some terms. Sure. There's going to be things we have to work out. But if our motivations are aligned, mm-hmm. we're, we're motivated to actually do better business. That's good. And, and, and God gets the glory out of it, and we're yeah. all made better because of it. Yeah. Now, Gateway, I think, I think churches in general doing music is a good thing. I, I think it's a net positive because if you have an audience and you have resource to deploy towards creative people— and it could bless your local congregation. I think that kind of does some of the marketing aspect of it, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning, this is one of the new pieces from the He Is Him collection, Jesus the King. When you wear this shirt, you do two things. One, you remind yourself in your life who the King is when you put this thing on. Two, you represent who the king is when you go out in public. So get ready for the He Is Him collection available this Friday to Sunday only. The labels now are changing based on how much leverage you have. So if we're talking business, before we go to the, to the ministry aspect, we're talking business. When someone has a built-in audience because they went and built themselves an audience, their their deal and their deal memo is going to look totally different than someone that has no audience. Yeah. And so a lot of these TikTok kids who are blowing up on TikTok, the the deal is completely inversed. Absolutely. Some of these, I mean, you're talking about 85% the artist way with multi-seven-figure advances. Why? Because they have the leverage, they have the audience, they have the systems already. So Label's just trying to get behind that. So I think that's where... I think churches stepping into the creative space could be a huge, huge net positive because, yeah. hey, we have the resources, we have the audience to, 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 to already show this to, and all we have to do is just make it and release it. And then if we could find a, a, the right partner on the distribution yes, aspect, absolutely. It's, it's, it, it could become a win-win-win for everybody. So you're a gateway and so how many people on a sunday usually attend gateway because i'm not super familiar with like the, the numbers so across all campuses there may be 25 30,000 whoa you know and, and is your worship being broadcast to all 25 or is there a lot no, of worship no so they're they're multi campuses they're multi campuses but okay. there there's a south lake campus mm-hmm. um and that's where everything's being broadcast from the mm-hmm. sermon is broadcast from there got it every campus they they all get the same sermon, sermon. different worship different worship so the entire all the services are unique yep Except for the the sermon. Now gotcha. the sermon is is live at South Lake, yeah, but it's streamed everywhere else. Got it. And then which campus are you usually at? So I'm I'm normally at South Lake campus, yeah. but I I travel around too because we all we all kind of kind of rotate. Yeah, rotate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so on a, on a Sunday, how many Sundays a year are you leading worship? Uh, it just varies. Like, yeah. Well, it before this year was very different because now, you know, with doing the album, uh-huh. now we're kind of building yep. the next phase of, of what's happening with Gateway Music, now yep. what's happening with me. Mm-hmm. But normal worship, any worship pastor serving there serving two to three times a month, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And if you're like, if you're a campus worship pastor, mm-hmm. 
for me, I, I worked more in the central office, which mm-hmm. is where I work. So mm-hmm. I'm not in a physical campus. Mm-hmm. I'm in the office that supports them. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll come into the campus to, to help and support and lead. So my rotation is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But even more so now because with the launch of the album and the mm-hmm. music. So you're, are you kind of the guy over all the other worship pastors? Okay, so for, no, well, not, not now. Like uh-huh. I used to be on a team uh-huh. and the way the structure is you have um, Pastor David Thompson. He's like the executive worship pastor. Okay. And then you have a lead team and there's different aspects of what, what of the functionality of different aspects of the church mm-hmm. in worship. Mm-hmm. You've got production, you've got artistry, you've got songwriting, mm-hmm. you know, and you've got administration. Mm-hmm. So before this year, I was the worship pastor of administration. Mm-hmm. And so I would meet with all the campus worship pastors, mm-hmm. you know, twice a month, work through resourcing them mm-hmm. and supporting them mm-hmm. and vi- go visit the campuses, help with campus launches, mm-hmm. all those different types of things. And I just kind of ran a team that mm-hmm. did all those things from PCO to mm-hmm. all the different things that every worship pastor in the country has to do at a larger scale. Mm-hmm. So that was what my role was. Mm-hmm. And so that that's a... It doesn't sound very creative... When you describe it like that, it doesn't sound it's like, not, it, like it's not. It's not. Okay. It's not. That role, like that's like, and really, honestly, man, like I've I talked to so many people about like being a worship pastor yeah, yeah. and a mega church, and a lot of folks are like, well, what do you guys do all day? Like, yeah. It's like, man, it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. And when, because at the end of the day, it's about managing people. Yep. And yep. the and the larger you get, the more people there are yes. there's to manage, more programs to manage. Yes. And then the more intentional you have to be about all the decisions you're right. making. Right. And then you've got more resources at resources at play. Mm-hmm. You've got more partners at play. Mm-hmm. You've got more systems to manage. And mm-hmm. sometimes you're working on the systems that you created to manage the people. Mm. So all those things, that's the life of of a church. And as it scales, those things become more challenging, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the system breaks down because you get to a crucial mass of growth yeah. and it doesn't work anymore. Mm. So you have to find something new and and pivot. And so you need so leadership. how many how many people were you overseeing total? So um and your this is your your previous in, in role. In my previous role, I had I had a small staff of, of five people. Okay. And we we kind of operated in the office there, but we oversaw and supported the 10 campuses. Mm. So we got nine campuses in, in DFW, one in Jackson Hole. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we were meeting and supporting them and each campus and the campuses aren't like massive staff, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, it's just, but you have, you know, some very necessary things that need to be done. You mm-hmm. got your, your campus worship pastor, you have your youth or we call next gen worship mm-hmm. pastor and all the different, mm-hmm. you know, folks involved in that. So, just supporting them. That's there's a lot of work that that's yeah. go that's going. Sounds into like that. a behemoth of an operation. You know, it, you know what I think it is. It's you, there's no. I think there's no job worthwhile while worthwhile. Yeah. That's not challenging. Yep. Like this. At the end of the day, you're solving problems yep. all the time, and that's what a job is. Come on. That's what ministry is all about. Yeah. It's helping to solve problems in real time, and that's a loving thing for people. Mm-hmm. And I think. You know, for, whether it be the staff or the parishioners, mm-hmm. how we care for them, and and then you still have some of the elements of it's not just administration, it's not just practicing and doing music. Some of it is discipleship. Mm-hmm. It's meeting with people weekly, mm-hmm. taking mm-hmm. people to coffee, mm-hmm. hearing you know what's going on in their lives, yeah. and helping support them personally yeah. in their trajectory and their discipleship journey, and all the things they're going through, and helping them with that as well. Mm. Wow. So when 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 someone when someone hears that and their response is. Man, that just sounds too big as an operation. The mega church sounds crazy. Like, is this the way Jesus intended it? Uh, this sounds more like a business than uh, a ministry. How would you respond to that, having been in the ecosystem? Before we go into kind of how your role yeah, has changed, for sure. how, how would your response be to I that? I would say, 
whether you're talking about Moses and the children of Israel and his great, the great advice from his father-in-law Jethro mm-hmm. of separating and coming up with a system mm-hmm. to manage millions of people, mm-hmm. this is a biblical principle. Mm-hmm. There's always been masses of people to be managed and mm-hmm. to be supported. Mm-hmm. You got that, you, you can go to the early church. Mm-hmm. And the apostles saying, okay, let's find some deacons and some folks to handle the issues mm-hmm. going on with, amongst people. There was some, some issues with, with um, you know, this injustice and all those type mm. of things like that. Well, we we have to preach the word. Someone else has to handle the business. Mm. So let's go find men mm. of good reputation, you know, husbands mm. of one wife and all those things. And I want them to handle those things daily. And that's not Bible class. Mm. That's handling life. It's handling business. People have bills that they can't pay, mm-hmm. issues, kids are sick, different things are going on. Mm-hmm. And that's just a matter of administration. That's a biblical thing. Mm-hmm. And even if you look at the, the miracle of the 5,000, mm-hmm. right, which is 5,000 plus, mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. It's Jesus administrates that. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. we're gonna get this. We're gonna God's gonna do the the impossible, right? Mm-hmm. We bless this food mm-hmm. and God multiplies it. But I want you guys to administrate this. I want you to take this food out. Yeah. I want you to serve everyone, yeah. and then I want you to collect everything. Mm-hmm. And was that difficult? I'm mm-hmm. sure it was a lot of work. Yeah. And you got twelve guys yep. serving thousands of people, right? Yep. 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 And yep. so administration and masses of people is not an issue. It's not a problem. It's very biblical and very normal. Mm-hmm. I think what we what what we end up critiquing or criticizing is when there are people who are abusing that mm. for their own gain mm-hmm. for the, you know, these are the hirelings mm-hmm. that get into the midst of it, the wolves, right. Mm-hmm. Amidst, uh, amidst sheep, mm-hmm. sheep, like sheep yeah. <laughs> amongst, amongst the sheep. And so I think, and that's fair. We should critique that. We should criticize that mm-hmm. and we should hold those people accountable, mm-hmm. but that does not make healthy ministry dysfunctional or yep. crazy yeah, or yeah. wrong. Yep. It's, I think it's, it's highly spiritual, highly biblical mm-hmm. And I believe it's it fulfills the heart of God. You look at the world; there are nearly eight billion people here. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people to That's serve. A lot of people, yeah, yeah. And 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 here's what people don't understand: mm-hmm. you cannot start enough churches mm. to serve all the people that need a church. Mm. That's good. So if you honestly, we don't. The, the issue we have more churches closing than we have churches opening. Mm-hmm. That's the issue we've got. So we really need more pastors, more leaders, mm-hmm. and more people that would fulfill the, the mission of Jesus mm-hmm. and preaching the gospel mm-hmm. and, and calling people to repentance. That's yeah. what we really need. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's definitely a paradigm that some Christians hold that if something is big, it's bad. Absolutely. And I don't think that's helpful. I think the legitimate question would be twofold. One, are these systems set up in a way where abuse is allowed or created if you get the wrong type of narcissistic leader involved and they can kind of exploit the system. And two, in the system, how many people are getting discipled, right? Mm -hmm. Like how many people are getting discipled? And so if it's a system where you're describing, hey, I meet with people, disciple people, and then those people go out and disciple people. And then there's a, there's a, uh, there's a system of people discipling, discipling, discipling disciples to disciple, right? Yeah. I say that's 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 a massive W, and then doing it at scale. I just think most people don't understand that and how that could be in a healthy function because our brains naturally go towards the bad. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So so for yeah. every um, Hillsong, there's probably twenty gateways. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> but but we see the Hillsong and we go big church bad. Yeah. Because we also have the preconceived notion that big is bad. Right. Instead of going, well, 
it we actually our brains go to the horrible stories and, and that those stand out more versus all the pastors that are faithfully serving, scandal free. Yeah. Like I've had Pastor Greg Glory on, you know, and I I got to had the privilege of going and speaking at their young adults ministry. Uh, Fifty plus years in Jesus, not even a hint of any sort of scandal or yeah. right. There's probably way more Greg Glories out there, absolutely, than there are you know Brian Houston's or or whoever, right? And so I think it's it's just interesting. But 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 here's here's there's the trippy part is, and I, I'm gonna bounce this off. I know I'm kind of all over the place, but just flesh this out. There's people who have an issue with the church having systems and institutions, and they think big is bad. I think that's that's like brain rot from like Marxism and just all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. And those same people would be okay with the government having big systems and institutions absolutely, and thinking that the government is better at serving people, better at dispersing resources, better at raising your children mm -hmm. than the church. Absolutely. What do you think about that? I know I just said I, a whole no, lot. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Because essentially you, you have a group of people with a, maybe a political affiliation, you know, left, right, you have that. And, you know, these are the people that, like you said, that certainly like they're, everyone's going to vote for the same person. The agenda set, whether you agree or disagree, it's all set for you. Mm -hmm. And we're totally fine with that. And mm -hmm. we fight for that. Mm -hmm. And I think we do that at the detriment of our children. Mm -hmm. Even even for communities that, that have been, um, you know, in poverty for decades and mm -hmm. decades, they're not getting better, but we're still going to stick. We're going to still ride with mm -hmm. this with this party, we're gonna still ride with this position or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. All that to say is like, you know, at the end of the of the day, I think it's the the reality that people are opposed to submitting to God mm. because there's a level of accountability that goes much further than what the government's gonna contend with. Mm -hmm. Like so at the at the end of the day, I think people will find a number of reasons yeah. to reject the authority of the Bible mm. and of God. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's very disruptive mm -hmm. to our sense of control yep. and what we like to have control over. Yep. Yep. And the church disrupts that. Mm -hmm. The church comes with the gospel that says that you have to submit to Jesus, mm -hmm. that the way you do things is wrong and the way God says it's right. It's not me imposing my own will on you. Mm -hmm. It's me preaching the gospel to you that was preached to me. Mm -hmm. And that means you have to you have to die to yourself. You mm -hmm. have to die to the things you do and the mm -hmm. things you love, the, the sins, the things you like doing. You have to let those things go. No one wants to be told that. Like mm -hmm. that's that's something that's challenging to hear. Mm -hmm. it, you know, if you're not a Christ follower, mm -hmm. so I think that's where you meet. You know, this conflict, and yeah. and because of that, yeah, of course, I got a problem with Hillsong. Like even when you see the documentary, and I heard you talk about mm -hmm. this, that documentary is not as much about the dysfunctions that may may or may not be as it is about someone's uh, presupposition, mm -hmm. right? It's a. I've already come to this documentary with a presupposition about Christianity mm -hmm. and God and the way I think it should really be, mm -hmm. and I'm only leveraging this story to 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 preach my agenda and to get my point across. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I, people got an axe to grind. Absolutely. So let's. So and 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 here's the truth: we shouldn't be giving them debate. We shouldn't. There shouldn't be a hill song. Like we should be sorting these things out. We should be more. Uh, I'm going to say critical of bad institutions, right? Uh, people, it, it, you know, the funny thing to me is people will light up Hillsong and have lit up Hillsong for years, right? But 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 the same people won't, people within the church, I mean, uh, they'll give a pass to like, quote unquote, more doctrinally sound and conservative the theological camps. And it's like, y'all are just as goofy. 
Y'all just as goofy over here talking about a woman can't uh, divorce her husband in the case of abuse. Y'all sound nuts. Yeah. What are you talking about? Like, no, that's that's equally as bad. And but like you you you, you there you know we, we're okay with criticizing the folks that would like Hillsong would be like the more liberal uh, arm of the church, even though they're really. It, it, what it really means to be liberal or progressive in the context yeah, of like yeah. the world, they're not. But within the context of the church, they'd be like, oh, well, you know, whatever. And so I think I think we don't have a healthy, just scales of how we engage with these conversations. And most people are going to be more compliant. Like most religious people are going to be more compliant. They're going to be more agreeable. They're not going to be willing to challenge the status quo, yeah. right? I mean, there's even psychology of folks who are religious they say they're more conscientious and they're more agreeable and then you'll have guys like me that like i'm i'm neither like i'm not i'm, I'm, I'm not very conscientious as you could tell by showing up and i'm like frazzled <laughs> like oh what's up man i'm in basketball shorts right i'm not super conscious and i'm definitely not agreeable but i think we need these sorts of conversations yeah. right and, and we need folks we need folks from the mega church world such as yourself to lean in and say no let me give you an apologetic for why we think a twenty thousand member congregation is good, yeah. and while we're adding a net positive, instead of being like, "Oh, we're not going to talk to, we're not going to talk to people who have a, a different bent," you know, we're not going to talk to people who are who are more, uh, you know, they're they're more skeptical of a megachurch. Like that doesn't serve anybody well. That doesn't make the no. megachurch industrial system look well, and it doesn't serve the people to have the the good conversations. But but let me just add this in. I think here's the one thing that people forget: that Jesus came to the sick. Mm -hmm. So if 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 the church is a place of sick people being healed, mm -hmm. then you might if you show up at church, mm -hmm. you might see some coffin. Mm. You may see some people with a limp. Yep. Like it's not a place of perfect people. It's yep. a place where people are being perfected by Christ. That's good. That's good. So because of that, that's really the nature of a discipleship process. Yep. Here's what I'm saying. It's messy. Mm. There are going to be people that make terrible, colossal mistakes. And I'm so grateful for the grace of Jesus. Come on. The word says that he's long-suffering to all of us because he desires we come to repentance. He has a way of being long-suffering in your process of growth. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the process of growth includes awful mistakes mm -hmm. and not just like cute mistakes, mm -hmm. like awful decisions that you've made mm -hmm. and thank God for, for 1 John 1, 9. Mm -hmm. Like you can confess your sins mm -hmm. and he's mm -hmm. faithful. And I thank God for James 5 and 16. I can talk to my brother about it mm -hmm. and you can pray for me mm -hmm. and I can be healed and grow through it. Right? Mm -hmm. This is what it is in real time. And that sometimes includes your pastor. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. You, you have to remember your pastor is saved by the same grace you're saved by. Mm -hmm. And your pastor repents to the same God. There yeah. is nothing in your Bible that's not applicable to your pastor mm. that's applicable to you. Yeah, that's good. So that means that that he's prone to the same things you are prone to. Mm -hmm. And I think a, a leader and a teacher should be held to a higher standard, mm. but there's a standard for a reason and there's grace mm -hmm. for a reason. Mm -hmm. These things are held in tension and in balance. Yeah. This is why I believe one of the biggest issues, and this is in my opinion, just being around like, you know, the mega church as you call it, the industrial mm. Ev evangelical industrial <laughs> complex. I got that from Julie Royce, by the okay. way. But, yeah. but but all that to say, a lot of times the biggest issue is that when you have leadership with no accountability, mm. I don't mean organizational accountability. Mm. I mean personal mm. accountability. Yeah, yeah, that's good. 
And what does that look like? Mm -hmm. I think that's when you start to see people go left eventually mm. and no one knows that they're going left mm -hmm. because these are high performing people mm -hmm. with incredible ability mm -hmm. and an anointing mm -hmm. and a supernatural ability from God himself. Mm -hmm. they, are, they are actually a pastor and the work that's going, that God's doing in them, it's mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit's doing. Mm. That's true. Yeah. But because they're so high performance mm -hmm. and so effective at speaking or singing or mm -hmm. teaching or whatever it is, mm -hmm. No one can see that behind the scenes they're coming unraveled. Mm. And here's the difference between the pastor and, and the person in the pew. Mm. The people in the pews are unraveled all the time. Mm. Wow. All the time. Wow. You, you know, missed three, four weeks, three, four months, yep. six months, a yep. year and came yep. back and no one knew it. Mm. And they came back repenting and worked through it, mm -hmm. got divorced, got remarried again. Mm. You know what I mean? All these different things happen and no one's talking about that. And the pastor, everything that pastor is going to go through He's going to go through in front of all those people who have autonomy, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But well, all, I'm, all I'm saying is that it's like we expect the pastor to be perfect. Mm -hmm. I'm not giving permission for, for people, for pastors to, to make mistakes and live messy mm -hmm. and all of that. But pastors have challenges that they have to work through. And some, sometimes these challenges are even outside of their control mm. and not even their decisions, mm. which makes it very critical that pastors have personal covering and personal accountability yeah. to help balance that out for them. Yep. I'll give you an example for myself. Mm -hmm. So for myself, I got a prayer group I pray with twice a week. Mm -hmm. I got prayer covering that pray for me. It's a principal pastor Robert talks about all the time. He mm -hmm. wants everyone on staff to have a prayer team. So mm -hmm. we like, there's a, there's a actually prayer ministry and folks who actually help people build prayer teams. I've got a therapist. Mm -hmm. I've, I, you know, I love like groups like Celebrate Recovery. Mm -hmm. I go to that group. It's not, it's not just about addiction. This yeah. is about living in a healthy community where you can talk about the things you've been through and get support. Yeah. See, this, this is what I call the wilderness. Like mm. it's one thing to have a calling. It's another thing to live in a place where the calling can be cultivated. Mm. And this is what I think it means for John to have a calling that his father tells him about. Mm -hmm. And then the Bible says, but then he moved into the wilderness. Mm. Like he owned personally everything that yeah. will go into the maturation of this of this prophetic yeah. word over his life yeah. so now we can do it so for me i embrace all of the necessary things yeah. that will give me the opportunity to release at the highest potential mm. everything that god has placed inside of me yeah. every leader needs to have a system yeah. for their personal development not yeah. just their professional and vocational and ministry development why do you think so many seem not to and and then drift over time because we live in this consumer society. Mm. We, even myself, we, everybody, you're, you, you've had to wrestle with this. Mm -hmm. When you get the taste of what you think success is or what society says success is, mm -hmm. this is why, this is why the, you know, Deuteronomy is so important. Like, be sure that when you get into the land and mm -hmm. you have everything you need that you don't forget. Come on. Yeah. That it was me that brought you. And this, yeah, I love good. through the Old Testament, God is always repeating himself about, do re you do remember it was me that, that brought you out of mm -hmm. Egypt. Do you remember that story? Mm -hmm. It's like the story keeps getting yeah. retold. You, you got to keep reminding Again them. and yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like we, when we, when we become, when we get into a situation where we are successful by society's standards, mm -hmm. we have the tendency to forget, one, what got us there. Mm. We have a tendency to start to also embrace a sense of pride mm. that I'm better than what I, I really am. Like mm. I start to think that because I'm successful here, I'm I, I must be smart. Mm -hmm. Like I, I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I become more self-reliant. Mm -hmm. Now 
I even believe, and I, I honestly believe that Satan, the enemy, mm-hmm. has a wonderful strategy around allowing you to be successful long enough mm. for you to think that it's you. Mm. And then when you least suspect it, mm-hmm. the attack comes. Mm. You don't even see it coming because mm. you stop you stop preparing for attacks. You don't yeah. even you don't even practice warfare anymore. Yeah, like you don't good. do any of those things yep. because you're flying at such a high altitude. You don't realize you're still human, mm. you still bleed, yeah. you're still susceptible. And I love we need more transparency around the things that not that you navigated 10, 20 years ago, but what are you navigating today? That's good. Being aware of your proclivities, mm. being aware of what the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction to, mm. not just what the top 10 sins of church is talking about. Mm-hmm. And I, and this is, I believe you, you safeguard mm-hmm. and you, you protect what God is doing by fully surrendering yourself to that process. Yeah. Honestly. And I honestly, I believe that is the reason why you, you have this fall away mm-hmm. because there's, 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 there's a sense of like forgetfulness mm. and, and an unintentional approach mm. to doing ministry. That's good. I can get up and do it and it works. Mm-hmm. And now I'm no longer depending on God. And there's the nuance. Is it me or is it God? Mm. Everyone, everyone that gave, like they, they, they got saved. Mm-hmm. Is it me or is mm-hmm. it God? Mm-hmm. Honestly, ministry is happening all the time with or without you. Mm-hmm. So it's God. Yeah. And you're a part of it. Yep. At the same time, it doesn't mean that you can't become a castaway mm. yourself. Mm. And this is what Paul is saying. Like, mm. I, I want to make sure that I, I do right by myself, yeah. that I as I, I buffet my body, I bring my body yep. into subjection yep. so that when I've done all of this, mm-hmm. I won't have become a castaway myself, yep. a, a total uh, bringing shame to the kingdom yep. after I've done so much good work. Yeah. I think by Paul saying that, he's letting us know that that's possible. Mm. That can wow. happen. That's good. That's good, and, and, and it almost sounds like in your life you have these systems or, or anchors that like as long as you're continuing to work the system of accountability, of development, of walking in freedom, then uh, the system works. It does. Right? The system works. Absolutely. You start drifting from the systems. You start thinking you're too too high and mighty. You start thinking that, ah, I got this. I can kind of take my foot off the gas in this area, right? I, I sorted this out. I, th- I think it's good, and I think it's not just for leaders like it could be for the guy that just is working a job and trying to be faithful to his Absolutely. wife and everybody needs l- walk on the narrow path yeah that's good so as a systems guy how has your role then changed as you've transitioned into more worship stuff you said you you, you were yeah, over all the systems and create yeah, and how has it how's things evolved for you honestly it's the same it's just applied to a different space okay so now i'm building systems to support the release of this album okay. to to support the influence that's growing through mm-hmm. this music. Yep. Even before th- we did this, like it, you could just see God moving. Mm-hmm. Like I, there's a young lady at the church who posts videos, mm-hmm. and she would post a video of me singing a song that we didn't even write, mm-hmm. and then it just go crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, one, two, three, eleven million yeah. on a video. Yeah. And so, but what we didn't understand, uh, we we I, we were seeing it happen. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, God is doing something. Mm-hmm. This is this is not even a strategy that we sat down and talked about. Yeah. This is like God is on this, mm-hmm. and He wants this to happen. So now you have to, you know, have system to support that influence. Mm-hmm. And so now we're we're doing this. So, you know, we're doing the album, mm-hmm. and now I am committed not only to the creative aspect mm-hmm. of it. I'm mm-hmm. committed to the daily administration mm-hmm. of. Uh, protecting that to supporting that That's to good. give because cre- creativity needs a seat yep 
All creativity needs a seat, yep. and that seat is administration. Mm. It, you you can't just let it float mm-hmm. in the abyss. It will it will it will actually just corrupt, mm-hmm. disrupt, disturb yep. things. But when you give creativity a seat mm-hmm. called administration, then you allow it to really uh, to to meet its potential to really be beautiful mm. without stress and all those things like that. Yeah. So now I'm applying all that to the daily you know responsibilities of getting the word out, managing the social team, managing the video team. You know, PR and all the different elements mm-hmm. that God's resourced, and then working with Gateway Daily, we're talking, communicating. Mm-hmm. They're giving me items that I need to do. Mm-hmm. My wife is supporting me with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, meeting with you know Capital or Rethink and mm-hmm. talking through ways that we can do better. Mm-hmm. Working with multi tracks and all the different entities mm-hmm. that are a part of all of the resources that are being created because it's not just an album to listen to; mm-hmm. it's transformational experiences in music. Mm. That's all that's being now exploited across a number of platforms mm-hmm. to resource a number of people in the world. Mm-hmm. Right? I get people calling me all the time. It's like, hey, man, do you got the charts of this music? I don't even know this person. They just mm-hmm. hit me on. Well, you go to go to the multi-tracks. They, mm-hmm. they, they have mm-hmm. the stems. I go to praise charts. They have the charts. Mm-hmm. And so all the different things that we have to do now, whether it be getting here to hang out with you, mm-hmm. this, this is a daily thing. Yeah. And so it, that's what I mean. Like a lot of people... Okay, I talked about the worship leader side, mm-hmm. but the artistry side. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the ability to do the the rigorous work daily, yep. it ain't gonna be successful. Yep. The music could be fire mm-hmm. and it could be goosebump, like mm-hmm. worthy, like anointed mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't have the ability to focus, mm-hmm. you will never no one will hear it. Yeah. And so what's just as important as the creative process is the administrative process. Yeah, yeah. And whether you do that or you find someone who can do that for yeah, you, yeah. who's equally as gifted in that, yeah. it has to be done. So that's what we're doing. So it sounds like your role has shifted from being in this administrative role with all the other worship leaders and worship pastors and yeah. worship team members across the 10 campuses to now uh, you being in more of an artist role yeah. under the umbrella of Gateway. Under the, yeah, so Gateway Music is a label mm-hmm. and I'm an artist in under that label mm-hmm. and you know we we work in partnership we mm-hmm. we do things all the of course I have all my responsibilities for booking mm-hmm. and dealing with churches and ministries mm-hmm. and planning events mm-hmm. and all the things that go into that mm-hmm. so that those are the things that we got to take care of that's awesome that's that's a, that sounds like a, a a good relationship and a good investment yeah. for the long for the long haul yeah. for what they're attempting to build and what you're attempting to build yeah. that's awesome um yeah, that's great. What uh, what what do you hope to see happen with this new position in this new season that you've entered well, in? You know, so with the with this album in, in in particular, I feel like there are two things about overflow that's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, the inception of the idea, the Holy Spirit gave me this idea in 2017 in my prayer closet, and one of the things he he spoke to me and impressed on my heart is I want this next season of music creation for you mm-hmm. to be an overflow of intimacy, not just an overflow of creativity. Come on. So that meant, and it really got expressed, like mm-hmm. these songs, almost all of them mm-hmm. were written out of an intimate moment of prayer. Mm, that's good. Oh man, just like, you know, I, I was I was at a retreat with, with a few couples and we were worshiping and praying mm-hmm. late at night. We were all praying. And then I just picked up a guitar and started singing this song. It's on the album. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about it. It mm-hmm. was like, we're praying, the Lord moves, a song comes, but it's actually on the album. Mm-hmm. So many of the songs came. That's one side of it. Mm-hmm. But it's also, it's about unity. Mm-hmm. Because the song, as you've, you've kind of heard some of the music, mm-hmm. 
you know, you know, my background is gospel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I come from a background where, you know, the vocal performance is high, the music mm -hmm. production. Mm -hmm. And this album the Lord gave me was, okay, it has to be, it has to be global mm. and the approach and the composition. Mm -hmm. So it can't just be unloading all of your talent and skills on the song, <laughs> like just mercilessly. No, you just, may want to. Yeah. <laughs> the artist may want to. I'll do it live yeah. every now and again. But yeah, yeah, yeah. the album has to be for the people it's created yes. for. Yeah, yeah. And if it's for them to to worship God, then mm -hmm. this particular album and the style of it, mm -hmm. you have to have a lot more, be meek in mm -hmm. the way you use your talent yeah, a little yeah. bit more meek. You got to simplify it a little bit. You got to simplify You got to consider the TikTokers. You you do. Because, <laughs> because there's, not, there's nothing worse than like leading worship over people's heads. Yep. Yep, that's good. And highly talented, gifted people yeah. tend to lead over people's heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what what I'm doing is I'm doing the opposite of what Philippians says. I'm preferring myself over you. Mm, yeah. Like I'm preferring like my style, my, mm -hmm. my vibe, what that's I like good. over what all these people need. And the ratio is crazy because yeah. if I'm leading worship, it's one of me and maybe a few hundred, a few thousand of you. Yeah. So why would I lead based on what I like over what you need? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. That's not that's not a good principle to yeah. live by. So I'm gonna look at what does God need these people to, to have and to yep. know and yep. how can I serve not my agenda but the Holy Spirit's assignment, mm. right? Yep, yep, yep. So you know, I think that's what this that's why the music has such a a ethnically blended approach intentionally. So I can't make myself not have a gospel vocal mm -hmm. sound. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we can make the music production such that we intentionally use chords and intentionally use certain things mm -hmm. so that I don't get obsessive or mm -hmm. indulgent in a musical expression. Mm -hmm. I'm leaning into the intimate experience of worship mm -hmm. purely mm -hmm. for, for the person that's in Thailand, mm -hmm. for the person that's in South Africa, mm -hmm. for the person that's in Tokyo, mm -hmm. for the person that's in, in Sri Lanka, mm -hmm. right? For the person that's in Maine, mm -hmm. like I'm creating music that, the people can experience God with. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to experience God, you don't want this music. Like mm -hmm. you don't, you, I mean, it's fun. It's great. And it sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. But if you want an intimate encounter with Jesus mm -hmm. and you want a transformational experience for your life, mm -hmm. this song has been crafted to do that. Mm -hmm. But you said something earlier about how God has used music mm -hmm. to bring about a sort of what you might call a racial reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's also something the Lord has obviously given me a burden for. Because mm -hmm. Gateway is, is not like a, a, a quote-unquote black church no, or a white not. church. No, yeah. it's predominantly yeah. white, but there's, there's diversity there. Mm -hmm. But it's predominantly white. I mean, it started in South Lake. It's, a, it's based on a demographic. Mm -hmm. However, the Lord, you know, has brought people there and it's grown. And, and I've, I've been a part of that. Mm -hmm. And Pastor Robert's message has been unapologetic mm -hmm. in regards to diversity mm -hmm. and race and all the tension that we've experienced, yeah. you know, from... George Floyd, back to Mike Brown, mm -hmm. you know, back to Tra Trayvon, like all the different things that we've seen that have become like, you know, you know, hot topics for, mm -hmm. you know, for the media and everything like that. These are things that Pastor Robert himself has just embraced and mm -hmm. tackled them, mm -hmm. talked about the hard things. We, That's how I met them all. Like mm -hmm. it was at a racial reconciliation, like simulcast. Mm -hmm. it, that was all day. That's how we met. Mm -hmm. So you think about that. That's how I came into the door. The mm. first time I ever led at Gateway was at that event mm -hmm. around this unity. Mm -hmm. But that's what God has placed on my heart yeah. to be a part of that unity. Yeah. And so how, what do I do? Will I take everything that I have to serve the assignment of the Holy Spirit because he wants to bring unity and make us one? Mm -hmm. That's good. 
That's good. That's beautiful. I think we need more of that. And I was, I was specifically, I don't know if I, we said this on the pod or I was, we said on offline. I was talking about uh, how Maverick City has kind of blended all these different genres and all these different pockets of gospel yeah. and CCM and these different things. And, and, and the stuff you're doing has that same feel where your vocals have obviously a gospel presence, but then the arrangement and the instrumentation and the chord yeah. structure isn't as gospel-y, you know? Because gospel... The 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 sevenths and the ninth chords is yeah. it, it's going to be a bit more complicated for people to maybe sing along to versus like the CCM stuff. You yeah, know, for the, sure. The more contemporary stuff. For sure. And not that don't get it twisted. Okay, I'm still going going to do something. <laughs> but there this this assignment is specific. And I there's something that I I can't remember who told me this, but this is stuck with me. Uh, that purpose is not about fulfilling the full measure of your potential. Mm -hmm. It's about submitting to the to the assignment and doing what the assignment requires mm, that's good that's good so i think anybody who's got great purpose you always have an abundance of ability beyond yep. what you need yep yep, yep. and it's because there's a variety of of tasks that need to be done mm -hmm. that always call for something unique and different mm -hmm. it's not about maximizing everything and every idea i could fit into this song yeah it's about understanding what is the goal of this song yes. and how can I use the right tools yes. right to serve it yes. so that it's effective. And yep. that means I'm going to leave some tools in the box. Yep, yep, yep. I'm only well, going to use what I, I need. I love how you said that. You said purpose, say that one more time. You said purpose is knowing the assignment or how yes. to utilize best the assignment. Yes, it is. It is Purpose is about use, utilizing the, the tools necessary for for, for for fulfilling the assignment, mm. not maximizing all the tools that I have for yep. enjoyment. Yeah. I, I always put it this way. I say, um, I think our purpose in the capital P sense, capital P purpose on a broad sense is everyone who's a follower of Jesus is to know God and to make him known, right? Yeah. Jesus to go out, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing. That's that's the purpose of every Christian, yes. right? Everywhere. Yet we have individual assignments absolutely, for, for even different seasons of our lives, right? So like my purpose in life is not to be a Christian YouTuber or a Christian mm -hmm. influencer. My purpose is to make, is to know God and make him known in my home, in my family, in my marriage, in my community. And the expression of that purpose is going to be a different assignment for every season that yeah. I'm in. And once one season I was in, I was working with adults with developmental disabilities. My purpose was the same. No God make him known, right? Yeah. To do it with excellence, to to love on on that community. And it was actually very fulfilling. And then the purpose switched. And I went and worked at my church for two years. And I was the media guy. And I got to preach a little bit. The assignment changed, but my purpose remained the same. Now I'm getting to do YouTube. The assignment changed, but the purpose remains the yeah. same. I'm writing a book. The assignment might change, but the purpose remains the same. And I think sometimes people will get so myopic about like what is with my purpose, what is my yeah. it? Yeah. And it's gonna change from season to season. And it's gonna change. With what 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 new gifting or skills you're developing, it's going to change. On hey, or do you have kids? Do you have kids that your wife may need more help with? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I have an acquaintance friend of mine who, you know, they have little kids, the small kids. I think two in diapers. That's good. Your your assignment might change. You might need to help out a little more. Yeah. you know, with yeah. your wife. And so I, I I love how you 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 communicated that because I think people get that those two confused. You do, and I and that's this is one of the reasons that I always say that your focus needs to be more on who you're becoming mm. rather than what you're doing. Mm, that's good. That's good. Because all you can bring to a task is who you are. Yeah. And so you're always working on developing as an individual, as a husband, as a man, as a single person, whoever you are, yeah. your identity is in Christ and mm. God's working on your soul and your mind and making you a better person as yeah. you cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
when it comes to purpose, you're right. You, I think you have this capital P and this lowercase. You mm-hmm. got the the universal purpose mm-hmm. of the Bible for every believer. Yeah. But then you have your individual purpose and how you've been handcrafted by God to yeah. to to serve a specific part. Yeah. Like you have the body of Christ, and you know, I guess the analogy of metaphors like I'm, I'm a toe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so there's something that I'm doing that's vital to the yep. body yep. that God has created and fashioned me to do. Yep. And so one of the ways of understanding that is looking at what, what are the things that God has given me to do that that's unique to me mm-hmm. and how do I hone those things mm-hmm. and how do I find ways to serve in those things? There's yep. so many things that God did not give me an ability to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to be what I'm going to be focused on. Yep. However, I love what you said because I don't think we need to be so focused on that. I think the issue we have is becoming the right person. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit's going to direct our path. Mm-hmm. And I think finding purpose is not an issue. The issue that we have more than knowing what purpose is, is, is submitting to the Holy Spirit in general. Mm-hmm. That's good. Like we're not willing to do the hard work that he's requiring yeah. just to be a, a, a disciple. Yeah. That's really the work. Yep. And if you're doing that, it's tough to go in the wrong direction when you submit to Jesus every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the work of becoming a disciple is usually going to be allowing God to chisel you Absolutely. through the Holy Spirit into what specific things you may need to have in the yeah. season that you're in, right? Like, so some so sometimes it might be a season like, bro, you got to grow in self-control. Well, you don't grow in self-control by just trying to white knuckle it. Like, I'm not going to do this thing. I'm not going to do this. You got to replace that. You got to develop new disciplines. You got to get passionate about the Bible, passionate about worship, replacing those things so that you're not just staying stuck trying to avoid the thing. Because trying to avoid the thing would just get you right back into the thing that you're trying to avoid. And so I I love how you put that. When it comes to purpose, it seems like we were talking a little bit offline about manhood and Mm -hmm. young men and a lot of people struggling right now right you and you got so many different voices and culture about this um but i think it comes down to a lack of understanding purpose like a lack of understanding that 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 people are created in image god they're they're image bearers of god if you're in christ you're called to know christ and make him known and then within that you go one level deeper and you're going to have lower case p purpose assignment four seasons um what do you think are some practical ways that the church could be speaking better to men in the season that we're in, in all the different directions. I mean, you got you got the Kevin Samuels who passed away. You got Ke- you got Andrew Tate. You got the Fresh and Fit. You got that. And then from the other side, you got the world telling everybody that your your masculinity is toxic. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to you need to be more feminine. You need to be more emotional. You need to you need to be more vulnerable. You hear these sorts of yeah, words yeah. used, right? And so it's like it sounds like men are being pulled in so many different directions. Yeah. And what how would what would you like assess it as? You know, I you know I think there is a the sense of which I believe in, you know, expositional preaching, mm-hmm. and I think and I, I'm I'm kind of I'm going somewhere with this idea sure, where sure, you sure, sure. like some 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 schools of thought is like hey you should preach this way and topical preaching is bad I think mm-hmm. um, expository preaching is about exposing the scripture, mm-hmm. and so if if you're staying true to scripture I think you can be topical, mm. so yeah, I'm yeah. I'm saying that to say. I think we need more honest preaching about issues that people are struggling with. I think the Bible is not written about our lives, but it's written for the benefit of our lives. Come on. So there are so many principles in the Word of God that speak directly to things that are happening today. Mm. It doesn't speak about the details of what you're seeing. The Bible yeah. doesn't talk about smoking weed, but the Bible talks about strong drink. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about it being inebriated. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you understand, well, if, if the Bible is, is teaching me that it's, that it's a sin to drink strong drink mm-hmm. and it's a sin to be drunk, mm-hmm. 
then isn't being high the same as yeah. being drunk? Yeah. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So that's the problem, yeah. right? Yeah. So I can use the Bible to address yeah. this issue, yeah. whether yeah. it's cookies, yeah. I can address it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I think when it the, comes to... The, the principle is the same. The principle is the, the principle same. The principle is, hey, be sober-minded. It's better for you to be sober-minded Absolutely. than to be sedated, whether it's strong drink, whether it's weed, whatever whether, it is. whether it's porn, whether you know, it's video games, whether it's food. That's right. You're sedating yourself. You look at it, the, the Ephesians 5. Don't don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. Yes. Okay. Straight up. That's yep. what it is. So I yep. can teach this. Yep. But when it comes to when, and when it comes to manhood, I feel like sometimes it's like the children of darkness are wiser than children of light. Mm. They're talking about things that people want to know. And because we <sighs> because we have this you know, this righteous, you know, I'm holy. We're not going to talk about uh, we're it. We're not yeah, about yeah, that. We're about yeah, the word. Yeah. It's like, no, the word actually will help these guys. Come on. So, you know, I feel like when it comes to spaces like this, we need more content creators who will be faithful to the scripture and then wrestle the issues of the day. Yeah. yeah. This, this is what Jesus did. Yeah. Jesus would talk to the issues of the day. He would talk to the people. Yeah. I mean, if, if we had a ministry style that was more like that, you'd be with the people. Yeah. This is why he had so many... Uh, confrontations yeah. <laughs> because yeah. he he didn't do ministry in the synagogue. Yeah. He visited the synagogues, yeah, but he yeah. spent his time in the marketplace having confrontations with people who yeah. wanted to kill him. Yep, that's good. That's good. I I I, th I think you nailed it. And I think the issues of the day are the, 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 there's so many different things. But I think if I if I could kind of nail it down for men, this is this is this is how I would say. It. And I want to see what you think about this. I think men are dealing in the church with a poor theology around pleasure. And not understanding that pleasure is oftentimes on the other side of delaying the gratification. Absolutely. This is what I mean. You don't understand that God actually designed sex. God wants you to enjoy sex. However, he wants you to, to, to in, engage and enjoy it within his confines of a covenantal marriage. Yeah. That is good. That is the way God made it. That is the way it should be. That is the way it's optimal for a family to thrive. That is the way it's optimal for kids to grow up in. That is good, but we get the pleasure aspect, and we we think, oh, well, I'm just a, I'm a, I'm, I'm just, a, I'm a highly evolved animal. I can't control myself. And and men, on average, have 10x the testosterone of a woman, right? So men are just, we're going to be wired different. We're gonna, yeah. we're we're going to desire things differently, and no one's no one's talking about this. So it's like God wants you to have good things. God wants you to enjoy pleasure in the proper context, mm -hmm. and that requires you learning to delay. The gratification. And as you know, what is the number one attribute of highly successful people, CEOs, athletes, you name it, the ability to delay gratification. Mm -hmm. I want to veg out and not do anything, but I'm going to continue learning said skill Absolutely. and delaying the gratification to, to sedate myself and then and and get to flow state as quickly as possible so that I could have the bigger come up down the road. Right. And every everyone it. that's successful at anything. Has gone through this process. Yeah. Anyone that's successful anything has gone through this process. Yet, we we we, we there's no theology to this. Like no one's and, and I don't mean it, I'm speaking in generality. So mm. not a lot enough people are talking about pleasure, delaying gratification, how it all works together, and how we could take this and apply it to anything: career, marriage, finances, fitness. Mm -hmm. Fill in the blank. You, there's a template, and God designed it a specific way. And yet we're like, oh, why are men not feeling engaged in church? Well, are you engaging them? Are you having these conversations with them, right? But but not only that, I think there's even a deeper deeper issue. Mm. It it's hard to be discipled when the person discipling you, you only hear from them behind a pulpit. Mm, that's good. That's not. 
and and though that's necessary, yeah. there's a couple of issues with that. Mm. Typically, what the what's being preached far too often mm-hmm. is the gospel, but not the gospel in context. Mm. So, what I have with the gospel is my testimony. Mm-hmm. It's 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 I'm teaching you about what the script what the scripture says, but I'm also revealing kind of my journey at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there there's not enough transparency. Mm-hmm. Like often it's it's just difficult. It's easy to teach a passage of scripture and not talk about your marriage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially if you're in a hard season. Mm. That's good. And how many people have gone through hard seasons, hard times, and just not really talked about it. Mm. And, and maybe you you do that because you're saying, hey, it's not about me. Mm-hmm. Hold on a second. I'm going to just stay, stay true to the scripture. No, yeah. it, no, it's, no, it is. It is partly about you too. Yeah. Like yeah. your, your testimony is beneficial mm. for someone else's journey and yeah. process. And young men need examples. We, we need fathers. We need people who are willing to walk with people through yeah. ministry. Yeah. I, I, I love, this is what I call I feel like we need more Barnabas mm. guys, like Gar- Barnabas. Yeah, Barnabas is a mouthful. Yeah, Barnabas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we need more guys that are committed to the goobers like John Mark in that season of his mm-hmm. life where he's running, he's, yep. he's a coward. Yep. He's not the man that he will want one day become. Yeah. But he would never become that if Barnabas doesn't commit him his life, mm-hmm. not to preaching at John, yeah. but to walking with John, yeah. training John, challenging yeah. John. Yeah. And when John as we you know ghosts him mm-hmm. so to speak yeah. i'm not going to let i'm not going to give up on you mm-hmm. i'm going to be there for you i'm going to stick around and you may never come back mm-hmm. but you you've got a barnabas when you need one mm-hmm. and i feel like having those necessary conversations are critical yeah. to teaching men what manhood is all about mm-hmm. but i think also i think we have to stop being so soft on our boys yeah you know i we were talking earlier i was thinking about how my father would drop me off at the church in the hood mm-hmm. to cut the grass. Mm. And I was like 11, 12 mm. years old. Yeah. He cut me off. He dropped me off in the hood where mm. there's people getting stabbed and liquor store right there. I'm there by myself <laughs> with a with a push lawnmower and yeah. the grass is up to my my head. <laughs> and I gotta cut the whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, here, here's two dollars. You can go down to the liquor store, get yourself something to drink mm-hmm. if you get thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. Here's keys to the church. Yeah. And now at 12, 13, I've, I've got all this responsibility yeah. and my father's telling me, you can do it. Mm. And and when it was over, he didn't overly reward me. He told me that's what men do. Mm. Men cut the grass. That's good. Men take care of business. And I feel like sometimes we're so quick to give and, and to try to win the affection of young men with giving mm. and letting them just kind of off easy or whatever. Mm-hmm. When what they really need is a, is a push line more mm-hmm. and, a, and, a, and a lot to cut. Yeah. Like. I think it's that kind of thing that sometimes I think in today's society, mm-hmm. of course, things have changed, but some things should not change. Work ethic mm. should not change. Mm. And some of the things that we have right now is because men have poor work ethic. Mm. And because if you have poor work ethic, you're going to have a distorted view of pleasure. Mm. You're not going to understand it. Yes, you can have the pleasure in context. Yeah. And if you work hard enough, you're going to be able to enjoy these things without some of the um, things attached with them that you don't want. Yeah, that's good. You know what I mean? Yep, that's good. Yeah, uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson said that Christianity needs to raise the bar for men in the church, not lower the bar. Absolutely. That's kind of what you're getting at. I'm I'm totally getting at yeah. that. And, and I'm saying that we have to make this discipleship journey applicable to what the issues people are wrestling through. Mm. 
Like, I think there are far too many people that think, well, if I read the Bible, I'll be better. Mm. Well, the Bible doesn't tell you that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Jesus tells the Pharisees, you you read the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, mm-hmm. but you won't embrace me. Mm. Yeah. Yep. It's not just reading scripture. It's it's adhering to everything the Holy Spirit has has provided. Mm-hmm. And and the one of the greatest assets you have, this is why I love James 5 and 16. It speaks of the necessity of our community. Mm-hmm. I need you. Mm-hmm. And I need you to hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. And I need you to to call me to a higher standard mm-hmm. and I'll never grow without you. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need that in our yeah. lives. And we, we, if we get caught up in just, I'm going to preach to you mm-hmm. so you don't have to know my business. I don't have to get into the details of where I failed and, you know, and how I'm actually failing right now. Because honestly, I heard this statement made like sin makes cowards of men. And the reality is where there's, where there is sin, there's, there is fear. Mm. So I'm not going to tackle a subject that I'm failing in. Yeah, that's good. That's good. But in, where, where in reality, I think you probably should talk about it more. For one, you'll get better at it if you teach it. Mm. For two, you'll be honest about your failure, which actually helps other people understand that they're not aliens, mm. right? Yep. They're not crazy. Yep. And it helps to humanize the, the preacher. Mm-hmm. And then you un, actually the victories are actually more incredible because mm. you see, I'm a, he, he struggled this year. Mm-hmm. And I saw him win. I saw him overcome. And that's teaching me in real time how to do the same thing. Wow. That's good. That's, that's dense. It's, yeah, it's real. That's dense. That's dense. But I, I, I think it's helpful. I, th- I think you're right. I think we need more uh, speaking about the failures so that people can learn from the scars. Absolutely. I think too many times we just want people to learn from our mountaintop moments. And the truth is that the scars are often better lessons. You know? The most profound message ever preached was Jesus on a cross not saying a word. Mm. Yeah. It's it's preaching right now to me. It's up. It's it's the it's the foundation of my redemption. Mm, that's good. It's not just the word spoken, but it's walking out a demonstration of what death looks like, mm. what crucifixion looks like, and then what resurrection looks like. Mm. That's what he modeled and gave us. Yeah. And I feel like we we take that principle when we live our lives in real time. Yep. And and sometimes it's not about all the words I can say, mm-hmm. but it's about you watching me. You know kill my flesh mm-hmm. and watch me go through the death and watch me even go through humiliation if I must. Yes. But watching God work it out in my favor. Yeah. And that's, a, that's something that people need to see more of. Yeah. That's good. That's good, man. That's, I mean, you just landed it right on the gospel. Like, I, don't, I, I don't know what else to say. Where People want to get a hold of you. Uh, the album is coming out. Uh, yes. Probably be out by the time this airs. Uh, what is the name of the album and how could they get a hold of you? The album is named Overflow. It's on all the digital outlets. Yep. Anywhere you go, Apple Music, Amazon, Spotify, all those places, Google Play, you can get the album. You can go on YouTube and see the videos, too. Mm. So you got to check that out because okay. some of the videos out. So um, you can watch all the videos, and you can get at me on Instagram, Michael Bethany Official. Okay. And uh, I like to talk to everybody, so I'll, I'll answer you if you Dope. if you reach out. Dope. And then podcast coming, too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So this, this is what I'm excited about, too. Yeah. Because conversations like this, I, I've, I'm so excited about having. Yeah. And so I started a podcast, which was like a sneaky way of doing it mm-hmm. because I wasn't sure if I was going to do it. So I just started releasing, you know, this content. Yeah, yeah. the short, you started the releasing short, shorts, basically. Yeah, yeah shorts. Yeah. But all the while we were, we were doing podcasts. Yeah. And so, but this podcast is called Life in the Wild. Yeah. Right. It's, I, I called it Reset at first, but this is real life in the wild. And it's about understanding what it means to live in the context of the God who called you. That's good. And as opposed to asking, what am I supposed to do? Like, no, it's, forget that. What has God? Where has called? Where has where has God called you to live? Yeah. To cultivate 
who you're called to be. So then you can do what God's called you yeah. and equipped you to do. Yep. And so life in the wild is what it is. And, and the content's on my Instagram is so much. We've released a lot already. Mm-hmm. And so we're just kind of rebranding that. We're going to keep putting content out and keep having conversations like this. Dope. Well, hopefully we'll have you back on here. And hopefully when I'm in Dallas, I can come on to Life in the Absolutely. Wild. Absolutely. And uh, continue because I think these are good conversations. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bethany. Peace. This is one of the new pieces from the He Is Him collection, Jesus the King. When you wear this shirt, you do two things. One, you remind yourself in your life who the king is when you put this thing on. Two, you represent who the king is when you go out in public. So get ready for the He Is Him collection available this Friday to Sunday only.